in to the Stomp the Bus show. I am your host, Mark Harris, coming at you with episode 25, uh, our first of the new year in January 2023. Uh, we're just off the uh, national championship game last night, so the offseason has officially begun uh, for every team, even though it's begun. And we've got a lot of interesting stuff to get to, more transfer portal, uh, some scheduling stuff that we didn't expect. But Colton, before we get into anything, I have one question to ask you. Uh, sure, Mark. It's yeah. So if someone put a gun to your head, and that's the end of the question. <laughs> no. Good start. Yeah. If if someone put a gun to your head and said ASU football will have the equivalent type of season as TCU in 2023, meaning. Meaning, yeah, meaning they go 11 and 1, or they finish 12 and 1 in the regular season, because TCU went 12 and 0 and lost in the championship game. Let's just say 12 and 1 win the Pac 12. And then you beat, you win a playoff game, but you get blown out in the championship game. Would you take it? Okay, wait, so the, is it like a retro in my head where the gun is to my head and I, I make my choice, and then if I'm wrong, uh, they like come back or yeah okay like, I shouldn't have said gun to your head because that no, implies okay. like, the, the scenario the just confused me a little bit. but yeah the, I I messed that up but no that's okay um, yeah. are you asking me would I take a TCU season like a a, a parallel season to the season yes. TCU just had for ASU next year even though you get blown out in the national championship game a hundred percent okay. What? Mark, hey, what kind of a question is that? I thought so. Gonna I don't think ASU. everyone would. That's I don't think no everyone player. would take that. Justin. I don't care if ASU loses 120 to zero in the national championship. They got to the national championship, right? And I'm trying to think of. Uh, I thought you were going to ask me if it was like because I started thinking about it. And I'm like, what was TCU's outlook in the preseason last year? And I know they were they were heavy underdogs to even be in the conversation. I'm try- I don't know what their Big 12 outlook was or anything like that off the top of my head. It wasn't uh, that great. Devout- yeah, they went I five and seven this. last year. Okay, because I'm not a devout uh, Horned Frogs follower by any means, so I wasn't entirely sure. Um, however, to answer your ridiculous question, Mark, that you fumbled so thoroughly, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and it is great to be back with you in 2023. Uh, I decided this new year I'm going to become a professional podcaster. Um, and that's mm-hmm. why you see the mic. I'm turning over leaf. I decided that I was um, going to emphasize sound quality in this newest iteration of the Stomp the Bus podcast. So you're welcome, loyal listeners. Well, you're doing a good job. Yeah, no, I mean... It like it would suck to get like if you're a TCU fan like today sucks but the rest of like the off season's like okay we made it to the national championship game you know but your day didn't suck until the last possible day that could suck right right does that make sense yeah well and it's like TCU got literally everything out that they could have possibly done this season you know correct I'm trying yeah. to fix this uh, this uh, but. The, the, the reason I make the TCU comp for ASU is because they'll have a lot of the same elements heading into uh, 
this upcoming season. You know, bad season the year before. Um, new offensive head coach. Granted, Sonny Dykes has a lot more experience than Dillingham, so that is a huge caveat. Uh, yeah. Can you hear me real quick? Yeah. Okay, cool. Because the mic wasn't even working, so I did this big spiel about how I'm going <laughs> to be a professional podcaster. But uh, the road to become a professional podcaster is paved with lessons, and this is my right. first one. Right. Uh, so now you should hear – that was very heavy, but you should hear – audio quality unlike anything you've ever experienced i'm so sorry to rudely cut you off mark uh with all this technical jargon but go ahead i get it i mean this is this is the avatar of asu football podcasts like let's be honest yes we have james cameron in the background helping us out so um and we're doing this until 2028 (laughs) much like james cameron oh my god did you see that movie i I haven't yet but i've heard great things and i loved the first one um so I, I need to go check it out. But movies are so long now. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I, I got to get out and, and see it eventually. I Yeah. Have you seen oh, it? No. <laughs> I don't oh, really have any plans on it. Mark. But um, anyway, Whatever, this man. is not a Way of Water review podcast. Uh, no, I just wanted to start the start the show off like that with a poorly worded, poorly worded question. I should have said, would you rather? <laughs> But no, but the pieces were there. I understood what you were saying. I've already uh, given you enough flack for how terrible you asked that question. <laughs> so now I just have to give you the credit for asking it. It was a good question, and a hundred percent yes, I would take yeah. that season. Yeah, same. And people, so I, this is just an old personal little thing. People are like, oh, TCU didn't deserve to be there. And it's like they beat Michigan to get there. Yeah. Like, there's like I don't really know like what like. It, this isn't like the BCS where, like, if let's just say the Big Ten champ had one loss and TCU had won the Big 12 championship game, then you could have made kind of an argument, I guess. But I don't know. I mean, Georgia, like, they're just a they, – they're a machine. It's just kind of crazy. Yeah, they were just way better than everybody. I mean, and Ohio well, State almost yeah. beat them. Everyone but Ohio State they were way better than, but – Yeah, that I, yeah, that's a good point. But what's crazy about this system, too, is – that one game, and I felt very uneasy about that Michigan-Ohio State game because I felt like, and obviously it didn't end up being this way, but Ohio State was kind of on the fringes, obviously, because they didn't play in a conference championship or anything like that when it came to picking the field for the college football playoff. Yeah. Ohio State wasn't a lock to even get in. No. But for most of this season – if not all of this season, Ohio State and Georgia were 1A and 1B in my mind. And it yeah. showed in that college football semifinal. Every time I watched Ohio State play football, they looked incredible. Um, and it just wouldn't have been right to leave them out. So I'm glad that they got in. But I think it would have been a huge disservice if anybody other than Ohio State got in. I, I just it, it, it put such a bad taste in my mouth, that game against uh, that Ohio State-Michigan game. Uh, did you watch that game? I watched some of it, yeah. but It was such an outlier for Ohio State, but I'm glad it ended up working out. I'm glad Ohio State got in. They were the one of the best teams in the country, so and they proved it. Well, um, it, it's funny because if U.S. – like, it was totally out of Ohio State's control, too. Yeah, yeah, if USC – If USC had beaten Utah about that. in the Pac-12 championship game, it would have been – Georgia just would have killed USC, but – Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I forgot it came down to the Pac-12 title game. Um but it worked out the way that it should have. I mean, yeah. 
it was just a very unfortunate game. That game was in Columbus too, right? Uh, I believe they played in Columbus. Yeah, J.J. McCarthy just had the game of his life. I hadn't seen that dude throw deeper than 20 yards all season. And, like, three of his touchdown passes were from 60 yards or deeper. Just unreal. Either way, Ohio State got there. That Georgia, that's the one thing I will say, regardless of what happened with Georgia and TCU, the semifinal games were some of the best I've seen in this this, uh, college football playoff era. And if we're going to get more of those with an extended playoff field, I mean, right. the SEC is the SEC. If you get to the final and the SEC is just extremely uh, or just well beyond where everybody else is, at least you got some really compelling football along the way, which is yeah. what it's all about, I think. Yeah, and we'll kind of wrap up the national championship talk. But I don't think anyone – like, there's really only like maybe four programs that can win the national championship, it feels like. It feels like it's uh, Georgia, Bama, LSU. I think LSU is capable just because they can recruit so well uh, in Ohio State. And, like, that kind of feels like it's it right now. I mean, I feel like there's – I feel like it's going to be tough for another Clemson to come around. Um, I think Florida State is very close. Florida State. I saw, I saw a poll State, ranking them in the – ranking them as, like, third in a way too early or whatever they do, like, right after the, the – the, championship game and I saw Florida State ranked third by somebody um and I mean it kind of makes sense they had a really good season this year Uh, I think Jordan Travis is coming back too third year we've seen teams I think the thing is like we've seen teams like Oklahoma be rated that high but like I don't I wouldn't put Oklahoma on any of those other teams levels like and I that's kind of how I feel about Florida State like they're kind of in the same like second tier really good teams but yeah, they could, they could contend for a, a spot in the field at the very least. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, in the ACC, definitely. I, I, I'd be interested to see what the odds are going to look like with, with Clemson and, uh, Florida State. Be a good, a good race in the ACC next year. Right. Well, anyway, there was one thing in the national championship game that applied to ASU. And it came late in the fourth I was going to say the Ant-Man trailer. The what? Oh, the Ant-Man. That was the most compelling part. The Ant-Man trailer. Yeah. But uh, anyway, as it relates to ASU, uh, late in the game when Georgia was just absolutely extending the lead and just kind of running out the clock, uh, they'd start talking about Deion Sanders in Colorado because that's what you do um, in college football if you don't have anything else to talk about right now. But uh, they talk about that, and they're saying, oh, Colorado's going to play TCU to open the year. And then Herb Street goes, well, actually, uh, the Pac-12 is trying to reschedule uh, Colorado's schedule so they play ASU uh, to open the season. And, I, and that, you know, kind of floored me yesterday because it was originally scheduled for ASU to play Colorado in the middle of the season. So just – Without knowing kind of some of the other details, like what do you think of ASU opening the season against Colorado now, potentially? I think it's extremely interesting, and I think the fact that ASU is the team that they're targeting to play this game means that at the very least we're on the minds of the national audience a little bit because of what Kenny Dillingham is doing, I think. I mean, Deion Sanders is probably – Obviously, one of the most compelling stories in college football right now. So 
de facto probably the most interesting story in the Pac-12. Oh, so you're going to want to spotlight him a little bit. Um, and I, I think it's really good for ASU to get that exposure right out of the gate. Um, it, it's definitely not a bad thing. I, it's hard to speculate on what it's going to look like. Colorado was obviously abysmal last season. I mean, I, I it would be sort of silly to get into results or predictions or anything like that right, right now in terms of just outlook for the programs. Anytime you're going to share the field with a program that is going to be as heavily discussed as Colorado, um, it's a really good thing for your program's exposure. Um, and I, I mean, playing a week zero game is, is also a pretty good thing. I'm trying to think. So yeah, like so for those who don't one, know, week um, one would have been Northern Arizona, right? That wasn't a week zero game. Are you talking about this past year? Yeah, for, yeah. for yeah, ASU. Yeah, that was week one. So they opened against NAU. That was week the one. Week so zero. To play a week zero game is, it shows that this, this program is starting to become a little more notable. Right. Well, the week zero game last year that was not- notable was, uh, Northwestern Nebraska in Ireland, if you remember that game. Um, yeah. and it was kind of just like a little preview into, hey, college football's almost here. And then they also had like some, I think Hawaii always plays that weekend or something, like kind of just smaller level games. But, um, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, it's, uh, supposed to be in week zero. And as we know right now, it's supposed to be in Arizona. So like, are they going to have it in Glendale? Are they going to have it at Sun Devil Stadium? Like, it's, it's crazy. And so, uh, this is, so this isn't a national audience. It, well, I don't know all the details behind it, but I'm reading an article from, uh, 24-7 Sports, and it says the Pac-12 is working to finalize a week zero matchup between ASU and Colorado. So the national, they would obviously have to get it televised. So I guess they have ASU in, um, from that perspective, but this is like, this sounds like it's the Pac-12 trying to be like, hey, we want to claim week zero, which I think is smart. Like, this is, Larry Scott would have never even thought of this, you know, because he, he didn't care about any of like, anything to like, on the edges of football to help the conference out, he didn't really think about or care about, it seems like. Where Klavkov, uh is an innovative idea, and to have, a, you know, to have Colorado as part of it uh, is going to be super interesting, but... Um, what do you, what do you think about the potential like location of this game within the Valley? I, it's interesting. And that's what I'm thinking about. I'm kind of reading through some of these replies and it looks like, uh, Brandon Marcello is who tweeted this out. Yep. Um, somebody asks, do you think it'll be a neutral site? And he says it's at Arizona state, but it doesn't really make sense with the time of year. Um, I don't know why Colorado would come to Tempe to play at the end of August in a week zero game, it's going to be like 110 degrees. Yeah. Side. You know, I, it would make sense to maybe what's interesting to me, and I don't know how practical it is. Obviously this is something for, uh, you know, the, the decision makers, maybe there's some, so something in the works as far as this goes, but like Cardinal stadium or, what is it called now? State Farm Stadium? Yeah. Is that what we, yeah. State Farm Stadium, uh, might be interesting. Obviously it's an indoor venue. Again, I don't know how practical it is. Um, but right. that, that would seem to make sense. That's the only element of this that I'm, I'm kind of lost on. 
is yeah. why Colorado would agree to come play at the end of August, open their season at Arizona State. It would make more sense to be a neutral site, but this could be a semi. Well, this was an site. ASU home game originally later in the year, so I can. So ASU's not going to give up the home oh, game. Oh, so so yeah. they're just moving this game up to week zero. I think, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. So. I mean, maybe they will then. Maybe they'll do that, or maybe ASU will work on some sort of indoor venue. I I don't know what's going to happen. Either way, playing week zero is a step in the right direction in terms of notoriety for this program. And playing against Deion Sanders takes that even a step further. Um, so no complaints about this. I'll be interesting to see what happens in terms of the venue. Are they going to keep this game at Arizona State? Is that already locked in? Um, I feel like that's the one part of this that I'm a little confused on, and maybe there's people that know more than me. I'm, I'm typically not the smartest person in the room um, when it comes to these things. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the part of this I'll be keeping an eye on. But really cool news. I'm excited for that game. Yeah. No, um, and one thing that uh, just kind of popped in my head as we're talking about this in regards to possibly having it uh, in Glendale is what does the Cardinals preseason look like? You know, because yeah. they might need that. What it might fall on that weekend. You know, like yeah, and I don't even in the think NFL. Schedules... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. In the NFL, they're talking about a place for where the Bills and Chiefs could potentially play, and the, they want to do the Colts, but they had something in town. So like, these arenas get booked like way in advance for concerts and events and whatever it may be. Um, but. That's a big monkey wrench in this, so it makes me think that this game will be in Tempe, you know, yeah. for week zero. No, that's a great point. Um, I was going to say also, I mean, that schedule for the NFL doesn't really come out until March. Right now they've just kind of released oh. opponents and the preseason stuff will come out in March. Um, But, yeah, it'll be interesting. It, it seems like right now if I had to – uh, to re to to do a quick callback to your incredible question from earlier, if there was a gun to my head, I would say this game is played in Tempe. Yeah, that makes sense. And man, it's gonna be it's always hot, you know, in August in Tempe. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can push it. You can push it to an 8 p.m. kickoff, which I'm sure they will anyway. But it's it would definitely be a later game. It would mean it would have to be. Yeah, it's still gonna be 95 to 100 at kickoff, something yeah. like that. No, I know. Well, I guess the, the the one thing I would say, though, is that ASU has played games, like, at the end of August all the time to open their season. Now, granted, it's usually, like, against NAU, or this year it's it, this year was supposed to be Southern Utah on August 31st. And so is the weather really that different, you know, between August 25th and – or whatever it may be, August 24th and – you know, or like first day of September, late August, like not really. It's still really hot. So, I, I mean, they have played late games or like games in really hot weather at Sun Devil Stadium before. Um, yeah, maybe the weather is more of a factor. I was just, or less of a factor, I mean, than, than we're making it out to be. I was just confused at why Dion would agree to move that up if you're going to yeah. get ASU in October or November, whenever that no. game was scheduled for originally. Yeah, no, I definitely I can't wait till we know the, like the reporting of the dynamics of how this uh, came to be because uh, it's just interesting. You don't usually reschedule conference games like that. Uh, I, yeah, again, it's I think not it's, even it's not even finalized yet, right? 
No, no, it hasn't. Okay. I mean, as of when we're recording on Tuesday night, it has not been finalized. Uh, yeah. Well, and the other thing is you mentioned, I mean, it would have to be a late game, right? But, like, if it's late for Arizona, that means it's going to come on even later for the rest of the country. So, yeah. That's so how much me- of- yeah, so maybe they will have it in Glendale so they can have it, like, more in the middle of the day, you know. Because they're doing this for TV. Yeah, if exactly. If, if, the, if the priority of week zero is that exposure, there's not a ton of games on. There's however many games on right now. You can only watch a couple. They're all televised, whatever it is. That, that's usually the goal for a week zero game, is it not? 100%. That's, yeah. Yeah, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense to push this game back to 8 p.m. You're not going to get any East Coast viewership that way. But at the same, so like, that leads me to believe that they would have to do it at a, at a neutral venue in Arizona. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what comes out when this is finalized and, and what they're leaning toward in terms of a venue. Um, either way. Do it at the Sky Dome Flagstaff. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Head up to the high country. Yeah, but th- then Colorado would have the advantage. Yeah, the they get the altitude. Yeah. Oh, that that would be that would be uh, a Dion special right there. Somehow trick ASU into playing in the altitude. In the NAU Sky Dome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, now that we're just talking this out, like I, I've flipped back and forth just in this conversation of like, is it going to be at Sun Devil Stadium or is it going to be? You know, in Glendale, where the Cardinals play, uh, especially since you mentioned the process of how they schedule the preseason games, it's just, I don't know, it's just so, this doesn't happen at all in college football. Like, usually the schedule is just set, and that's what it is, save for the COVID season, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think, like, right now, obviously, is probably when, or it probably doesn't happen until after the Super Bowl, probably like mid to late February is when they really start to get the ball rolling on um, the schedule permutations and what that right. schedules are going to look like and preseason schedules and all of that. So I would think maybe if that's a route that they're interested in going, if they finalize this week zero game, it coordinating and, and having the Cardinals play an away game, the week of an away right. preseason game rather, the week of that week zero game obviously is, the way to go it's just an it's just a matter of coordinating that um while they're finalizing their schedule but it's interesting man it would be really cool for asu to play at uh state no, stadium yeah i'm excited man like that yeah, would be, that's that's really cool for it to be dion like for it to be colorado in game one of the dillingham era and you know dillingham would have a, a bunch of cool stuff schemed up like this dude gets really creative and if you guys, yeah. guys watch some of Oregon, but uh, that would be an interesting element to it. I, I, as you were talking, I was just thinking, what if they have it at Chase Field? Mm. <laughs> they just had a bowl game there. I mean, maybe they yeah. wouldn't want to F up the field. Yeah, they would, I don't they know probably if... wouldn't want to F up the field, though, during the Diamondbacks season. Oh, yeah, because the Diamondbacks are in the heart of their season. They it wouldn't they wouldn't be able to, or I guess the tail end. But, uh, well, no, I mean, the Diamondbacks are going to be a playoff team next year, so. Um, they're gonna, they're not gonna want to throw anything off over there. But interesting thought there, Mark. Yeah. Well, like, I just don't, and also like, you know, late like August week zero range, like that's still kind of monsoon season too. You know? like, yeah. No, that's a good point. You play outside, a monsoon rolls in, and week zero's delayed by an hour and a half. 
<laughs> delayed by like four hours because kick off at 10 p.m. <laughs> kick off at 10 p.m. West Coast time. You get that exposure you really <laughs> wanted. That um, would be that would be the most Pac-12 thing to happen. Is like yeah. they, they schedule it at like whatever. What would be the most optimized time for sun getting some East Coast at West? Like uh, let's say like 6 p.m. Um, Arizona time starts at nine. <laughs> Freaking monsoon <laughs> rolls yeah. in for like four hours. Yeah, you'd want to avoid that. You'd want to avoid that if all possible. That would be a very ominous sign for the start of the Kenny Dillingham, Drew Pine era. Right. Right. Oh man. Well, I'm glad. Whoever thought of this, uh, thank you because it just it just makes everything. I'm sure, they're listening. Yeah, of course they are. Why would they not be? Uh, it just makes everything a little bit more interesting. Um, I was like, when they, when Herb Street said it on the air last night, I was like, what? Like, did, did I hear something wrong? Uh, then, I didn't even hear him say that. I must have yeah, turned it off or something. I, I must have been in the other room or something. I don't blame you for turning it off, but. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Once that overhit, <laughs> I was out. Yeah. That was that was a sweat. That was a sweat fest. If I if like I've ever been a part of one, watching TCU stall and stall and stall, and then Georgia bringing their back up, and it's like, when are they going to stop scoring points? And then it, they it's, pull it off. Georgia, yeah, that was. I'm pretty sure Georgia floated that over on their own. The total was 61 and a half. They scored 65. Yeah. No, it's. <laughs> It's just, it's, yeah, that was tough. But, um, I mean, it's just, I, I, you know, I can't wait. Like, that just adds so much more intrigue to the season. Um, you start out with Colorado uh, and Dion, like, and by the way, like, that might be, because they're going to be pretty good, Colorado. Like, they're not going to be, like, probably not contending for the conference, but neither will ASU, like. I think pretty good in terms of like seven and five, eight and four type range uh, for Colorado, but like because they you, they already got in Travis Hunter, uh, they might get this kid uh, Cormani McLean, who's like the best corner in, like in the country from Florida, just out of just completely uh, you know at the end of uh, his commitment. But um, this might be a, a better chance for ASU to win, you know, if like Dion and his staff are a little bit more accustomed to like a you know, power five football midway through the season. I mean, it maybe it maybe it helps Dion more because this is Dillingham's first game as a head coach. So you can make the argument both ways. Yeah, definitely. I, I you know, it's Colorado is, is going solely off of the recruits and, and the the notoriety that Dion is going to bring to that program. Colorado is going to be very prominent sooner rather than later. Not from a results standpoint, oh. not just the, oh, look, it's Deion Sanders in Colorado. I think Colorado is going to be a pretty good team here pretty yeah. quickly. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Like, and ASU, like, I know there's, I don't think there's a huge, a lot of resentment of ASU fans against Colorado. I've seen a little bit of it. But, like, he's going to bring in talent. And so we can all debate on what, like, how good of an X's and O's coach he is. But, like, ultimately that's the name of the game is talent acquisition. So, and Dion has a very unmatched way of doing that, honestly. Like, Colorado was the worst Power 5 program last year 
un, undebated, undoubtedly, couldn't even say the word, but just clearly the worst. And now they're getting in all these guys. So I think all of that, like, energy makes it such an intriguing matchup, too. Because I, I think people are going to want to see what Colorado looks like, too, you know? Definitely. Especially, Definitely. and one thing I, I just literally just thought of, like, if this is at Sun Devil Stadium, this is a great way to draw in the casual fan of ASU football, you know? You have, oh, you have Oklahoma State coming to town? Like, okay, that's cool. You have Colorado and Dion coming to town? Yeah, I'll check that out, you know? So, added Yeah, I'm sure they would have would have rather checked that out in October or November. Uh, That's but true. They'll check yeah. it out nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Just wear a tank top. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get better. You're a big tank guy, right? What? You're a big tank guy, right? Eh. You ever rock a sleeveless? Ooh, in the house. In the house. Maybe, wow, maybe occasion Mark. outside, depending on the, the – uh, the event. So tanks, but. tanks are a uh, behind closed doors type of fit for you, <laughs> for the most part. Respect. I don't think people want to see my my arms. So yeah, no, I didn't know that headband was uh was a new thing you were doing. Oh, I don't I, I've I, ever I, seen I, you with the headband. Really? I, yeah, I wear this like, all the time. Is that like a Corey Kispert sweatband? What is that? <laughs> Corey Kispert. <laughs> I did not expect that name to be brought up. Uh, no, it's just. Just uh, just something to keep the hair out of my face, you know. Okay, respect. Well, there's hair on your face. Did you know that? Yeah, I, I do. Okay. Out of my eyes, I guess. Oh, that. Okay. I don't have any hair on my eyes, so. The one part of your face you're trying to preserve. I, I respect <laughs> it. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we can both agree that that is a really awesome way for ASU to start the season. Um, I'd like to get into some of the players that could potentially be playing in that game. Uh, coming up next, we talk a lot about the transfer portal guys coming in last episode, and there's been more and more guys coming in. You know, we've had some guys leave, which we'll get to, but uh, just the most recent news, um, Keyshawn, you know what, this guy doesn't even have, oh, it's, uh, hold on. Shamari Simmons, uh, he was at Austin P. Safety coming in, you know, like, it, and again, it's another example of maybe not the biggest name, but just adding, filling spots on the roster, because uh, I think this guy was like all conference in whatever league it was, you know, and um, more guys like that. I, I just bring him up because he committed today. Uh, but the guy I wanted to talk about the most, this happened. I think it was the day after Christmas was offensive tackle from Oregon, Bram Walden commits to transfer to ASU. And what's important about him is a, it is difficult. Like all of these teams, they want defensive and offensive linemen in the portal because those guys, there's just so much fewer of those guys, you know? And so for, for ASU to get, uh, Bram Walden, he was a four-star recruit from Saguaro, I think, two years ago. It, I, I think it's just huge. And just to get another potential big body on the offensive line is just so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Adding to that class of, of 24 current transfer commits for the class yeah. of 2023, if you're looking at the 2023 transfer rankings, you've got Colorado at number two. USC at number six, ASU at number seven, UCLA at number eight. 
So there's four, and then Washington at 12. There's five oh, yeah. Pac-12 teams in the top 12 of transfer rankings, which is which is pretty big. Um, huge for ASU. I was looking at sort of their composite ranking in terms of recruiting as well. Um, I, I, I know that at the tail end of the Herm era, they were somewhere in the hundreds, right? Yes. In terms of the, the rank of yes. their recruiting class. You um, had to scroll through 24-7 sports. They do the top 50 and then the next 50. You had to scroll through twice to get to ASU, a Power 5 program. Yeah. And, and you know, this makes sense. Looking at this, the 65th in uh, composite rank, right, which uh, is basically – is that strictly recruiting class, like kids you're recruiting, or is that your total class? Like uh, I think overall is the total class, like transfers and recruits, right? Right. Okay, so composite yeah, I think must that's be just yeah. recruits. Okay, so I mean that would make sense just looking at these numbers. You're you're not going to get a ton of for a program that's still under investigation, which is also very special. I, the fact that Dillingham comes in, does all of these things, and and the investigation is kind of an afterthought. Like you're not even really thinking about right. the investigation anymore. Um, but this is exactly what you had to do as the head coach of a team that maybe younger recruits are going to be a little nervous about committing to with, with four years ahead of them or five, whatever it is now. Um, but going out and hitting the transfer portal as hard as, as ASU has is, is a great sign. And obviously jumping that recruiting class from the hundreds to 45th overall yeah. is, Huge. is pretty special. Huge. It's pretty special. Yeah. And yeah, I just want to run through some of the guys, uh, we missed because ASU did have some, we'll talk about some of the guys who left too, but they did bring in some guys that are going to help plug those holes. So uh, they bring in wide receiver Xavier Guillory. And uh, before I go any further, I'm going to pronounce some of these guys' names wrong. That's just how it is. Uh, I don't have pronunciations next to me, but Xavier Guillory comes from Idaho state, Charlie Ragel connection. You think, Oh, Idaho state, no big deal. But I think this guy had like 800 yards receiving and Utah wanted him too, so you beat out someone who, some a, a rival who wants him, you know. Then we bring in uh, Leaf Fautanu, interior offensive line from UNLV. He was a starter there. Another big body to have, love it. Bram Walden, we talked about, four star recruit out of high school, was at Oregon with Dillingham. Great pickup. Uh, this next guy <laughs> didn't know who he was. Samuel Benjamin, defensive lineman, Idaho State. Six five two sixty, big frame. Hopefully it works out. You know he's gonna be playing much higher level football now, but better than nothing. Uh, then you get two guys from who were at Texas at one point. Uh, safety Xavier Alford, who I think he was at Texas and then went to USC. I could be wrong, but he was at, last at USC. They list he four star out of high school. Wide receiver Troy Omire. Uh, also four-star out of high school, was at Texas, transfers to ASU. Um, Deshaun Mallory, defensive lineman from Michigan State, 6'5", 310. I think he's like a fifth-year guy. Another big body to have, very important. Um, Shamari Simmons, we already talked about, comes in today from Austin P. And then maybe <laughs> maybe the most important transfer pickup or maybe top five is getting Dario Longhetto, uh kicker from Cal, and I bring that up because Jace Feely, well, Jace Feely transferred before he's actually transferred to Colorado, but Carter Brown transferred. And that was the one, I, I think, 
based on how ASU fans reacted to guys leaving, that was kind of the one guy that fans were like the most uh, confused about. He's going to Cincinnati with Emory Jones uh, and DJ Taylor. So uh, Sun Devils East out there. But um, getting Longhetto, honestly, I haven't looked into his stats. I, I remember him being solid at Cal. So, uh, but important to have an experienced kicker. Yeah, definitely. You need a kicker on the roster, right? And <laughs> this this satisfies that requirement. Hopefully, hopefully he'll come out and 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 kick effectively. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's you know, that, well. That's, that's I guess all the other thing is the, the kicking competition. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, it's good that you pick up someone who's like played power five football, and uh, I think we got definitely. his. Uh, his uh, long snapper from Cal as well. So having that continuity is always very good. Uh, but is there anything else that stood out to you in the kind of the recent transfers that I just mentioned other than Longhetto? Um, definitely looking through, there was one guy, uh, Leif, Leif Fatano, just like you, Mark, I'm going to box yeah. this, but um, actually improved upon coming out of high school. He seems like he's on an upward trajectory. Um, I'm excited to see what he does on the interior of the offensive line. Uh, Bram Walden's obviously going to be huge as well for that O-line. Um, yeah, I'm just excited to see what these guys do once they get into the system and start playing. Drew Pine, I'm obviously excited about. Um, forced to start out of high school, dropped to an 88 composite transfer um, from Notre Dame. So with with Pine and Dillingham, obviously uh, not Pine, but uh, – Dillingham's track record is, I guess, based off of last year. Um, and he's worked with some pretty prominent quarterbacks as well uh, at other stops, right? I think he was with Brady White. Um, wasn't he with Jordan Travis, too? Brady White. Oh, Brady yeah, White yeah, Brady White. Memphis. Yep, Jordan Travis, yep. Jordan Travis at Florida State. He's worked with some some pretty solid quarterbacks. So I'm really excited to see what happens with this, this Drew Pine-Dillingham combination to see if, if Dillingham can really tap into what Pine does well. I mean, you've seen that, right? You've seen that with quarterbacks all over the place at every level. If you put them in the right system, they're yep. going to look like world beaters. Like, look what's happening with Brock Purdy, obviously. That's the obvious example in the NFL. I, I think Stetson Bennett is obviously a pretty prominent example of that, too, and what we've seen. Kind of. I'll disagree years. with you a little bit. Like, Stetson makes some plays, too, like – He's thrown to Gossip. He's, he's guys, a very but. he's 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 a mobile guy for sure. I I just watch him play and I'm like he's throwing to just absolutely dominant athletes in schemes in a scheme that's just perfect for him. True, um, but so we don't okay, have to we don't have to dive from, into a set debate. But go ahead, go ahead. So I I saw a tweet uh, from Tom Fornelli, um, Co- Cover Three podcast. I recommend everyone listen to that show. He said, uh, some of you aren't going to like to hear this, but Stetson Bennett will be in the NFL next year. And I kind of agree. Like, he won't get drafted high, but I think I think he's proven enough at college. I mean, he, especially, like, he'll play in the NFL, but, like, he'll play in the Week 18 games where, like, they have to get the backup in type of thing. I don't think he's saying he's going to be a starter. But I think a lot of college football fans don't give Stetson up credit even though i of course he's throwing to all these great players i get that like you have you have to give him credit i will give him credit right now all that i'm saying is he's not you're looking at a guy who has 
now won two national championships. He's won the offensive MVP of both of these national championships, right? Um, he, he was a Heisman finalist this year. All of these things. But look at the guys he was sharing that stage with, right? You're looking at CJ Stroud. You're looking at Max Duggan, who might be a less prominent example, but even, um, Bryce Young, who has won the highest. For sure. Guys like that. You know what I'm saying? And I, I agree. I think Stetson Bennett is going to be a huge beneficiary of what we've seen. Level, especially this season with the Brock Purdy story. I think he's absolutely going to get an opportunity to go play somewhere, whether that's a very late pick, um, whether that's, you know, undrafted free agent makes a roster, that sort of thing. I think he will have a chance to make an NFL roster, definitely. Um, I'm just looking at the the element of this where if you put a guy in the right situation, the right support. Uh, I was listening to Kirk Herbstreet last night talk about how it's pretty funny how Kirby Smart and um, his name's escaping me, but the offensive coordinator of Georgia, Todd Munkin, um, yeah, how they how they both just like publicly talk about how Stetson Bennett needs to step up and Stetson Bennett isn't True. doing enough, and they're clearly doing that. And, and Kirk Herbstreit was the one who mentioned this, but they're clearly doing that because they know it makes him mad. Like they don't really believe that. They're just kind of poking the bear a little bit. Like they know yeah. how to get the bet, like the best out of him and that's what they're doing. So when you tap into a quarterback's skill set, put him in the position to succeed, know how to tap into that talent and get the best out of him, very special things can happen. It obviously helps if you're a five-star factory and your backups are more dominant than TCU starters. That helps. But having a guy who can execute your offense at a high level, which is obviously what Stetson Bennett did, um, is a huge plus, and I'm I'm very excited to see how Kenny Dillingham, assuming Drew Pine wins the job, who knows what happens. That's I'm operating under that assumption, right, right. Um, but I'm very excited to see, based on what I saw with Bo Nix last year at Oregon, what Kenny Dillingham can do uh, with Drew Pine in this system. For sure. Well, yeah, to, to good good way to bring it back. But I think one thing with Bennett is like I feel like he's a great like. He's such he's so good for debates because like yeah. you That's see him true. and he doesn't have He's a have, polarizing guy. He's a polarizing yeah. guy. You see him and he doesn't have the frame and the walk on and all this and and what I would say is even last year I don't I think this year Stetson Bennett is so much better than last year Stetson Bennett. Um I would agree granted with they that. their defense isn't as good as it was last year but anyway um it's a, it's an interesting debate and yeah I mean hopefully I mean yeah just you know to bring it full circle like if, he wasn't even the week one starter last season. Right? No, no. Yeah, this, JT this is his first full season as the starter. So that's another yeah, layer. Yeah, that's weird this. when you think about it like that. And he's 25 um, years old. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Drew Pine, I, the, the, the thing with, uh, with Drew Pine that um, it's not so much that I like, but that Dillingham must like. I mean, Dillingham isn't going to bring guys in he doesn't think he can win with. You know, I mean – Granted, that sounds obvious. It is obvious, but uh, I remember listening to a Dillingham interview quote, something along those lines, shortly after he was hired, and um, someone asked him like, "What the job of a court, of a quarterback is?" And he basically said, "Just to move the ball downfield and to get first downs." Um, and like with 
what that tells me is like he doesn't have the same exact offense for every quarterback, you know. Like with Bo Nix last year, they yeah. were running a lot. I doubt really any of these quarterbacks, whether it's Borgay or Conover or Drew Pine or Bennett Meredith or whoever um, that's currently on the roster, they're not going to be dialing a ton of, you know, zone reads. They'll do some, of course, because it's college football. But, like, I think that's a that's such a good way to think about it. It's not like, hey, like, we're going to – you're going to, you know, run this system to perfection. It's my system, and here's how you do it. It's, hey, like, let's attack the zone or what – I mean, I don't even have the football. Let's, let's build a, a system together that maximizes your strengths. Yeah, exactly. That's essentially yeah. what he's going to do. Well, in Dillingham, I another interview I heard him – he he was originally a line, apparently he played defense in high school. He was like a linebacker. Um, yeah, he played at Chaparral. Yeah, yeah. Which is and so where Anthony Lucas went. Yeah, uh, I don't think Anthony Lucas is coming to ASU. No, sadly. Probably not going to going to USC. But you know what? Um, I want to talk about that real quick. But I, the the thing with Dillingham in terms of he teaches offense through like here's how the defense is trying to attack you. And here's how you can exploit them, you know. And I think that's a good way to learn it. It's like we're, you know, just reverse engineering it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a, a refreshing outlook too, to not just be like get into this system and run it to perfection, but sort of tailoring it around that guy and doing what maximizing what they do well in the system. It's sort of like both parties kind of giving a little bit, which is uh, which is refreshing a refreshing right. approach to it and for drew pine that'll be a lot of like quick short passes and accurate routes intermediate which, stuff definitely and as long as you have a coach that like knows this is what we're doing then you know it could be able to work we've seen a lot of unimpressively like in terms of just like physical tools quarterbacks succeed in college football in the nfl so uh you know, we'll see how that plays out. Who knows? Maybe it'll be some transfer quarterback that's coming in that we don't even know about. So, uh, but you mentioned Anthony Lucas. For those of you who don't know, he's uh defensive end or a defensive lineman, went to Chaparral, four-star recruit, huge recruit, went to Texas A&M, and he's transferring. And he was reportedly, I think uh, Gambo at 98.7 reported this, that he was at a uh, ASU hockey game. Uh, that might have been Cartman. Uh, I'll have to. It. I mean, one of those two reported that he was at an ASU hockey game. They had him on campus, uh, but it looks like he's going to go to USC. And my point with this is, I'm just happy that like we were in the mix, you know, like legitimately in the mix. So, and m- my point with that is at least like it shows the staff is grinding because I don't think if this was even two years ago before all the scandals hit i don't think the herm edwards staff is doing this maybe i'm wrong but uh yeah no i don't think you're wrong i'll give you i'll give you credit this time mark i don't (laughs) think you're wrong but yeah what are your thoughts on the anthony lucas kind of flirtation it's interesting (laughs) this is the thing that stood out to me is is they took him to an asu hockey game and and which of these schools has a d1 hockey program that you can take recruits to go watch you know Right. Uh, not that that's really going to sway anybody, but it's just interesting. It's an interesting wrinkle to this. Take him over to the mullet. Uh, show him the mullet. He can go if he's a big Coyotes fan. He can go catch an NHL hockey game on campus. Where else can you do that? Um, 
But yeah, it, it's it's good that he was even on campus. It's good that they even took a shot at this, regardless of how likely it was or unlikely it was. Obviously, he, he's probably going to pick USC, which makes sense. Uh, USC is now what seems to be a national powerhouse again. Um, so, you know, just to be in the mix, like you said, you kind of mentioned it when you were talking about this, just to be in the mix on a guy like Anthony Lucas, a five-star right. last year. Um, it, it just goes to show you how deep these Arizona ties really are. And it also kind of sucks to see just how long ASU has kind of ignored this Arizona pipeline <laughs> and how often this or how long this Arizona pipeline has kind of been on the back burner. Um, but it's good that, that ASU is kind of reasserting itself on the local landscape and going after these guys with local ties. Uh, quite a few of them have committed to transfer to ASU, which is a great sign. Exactly. Uh, hopefully once this uncertainty with this, and I don't know how big of a role it plays. Obviously this is all speculation. Um, once this, or this uh, investigation is behind us. Who knows how much noise they're going to make on the local level, but right. it seems like they're going to be, they're going to be in the mix on these guys. Finally, hopefully that's my, that's my hope is that this shows that in the next couple of years, there's going to be four and five stars in Arizona who decide to go to ASU again, which is, it seems like that was Dillingham's big goal to begin with, which was the most refreshing part about it. But just to see guys like Anthony, um, Anthony Lucas on campus and uh, checking out some premier West coast hockey uh, <laughs> is, is refreshing. Yeah. Well, and Hey, it already worked with Bram Walden. That's another example. Uh, and then one exactly. thing, there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of guys that yeah. are at least considering it. And that number is just going to grow. It's going to grow beyond solely transfers who decided not to go to ASU and then thought, oh, okay, maybe I'll do this. They're going to decide to come to ASU the first time around when their future isn't in jeopardy because of a NCAA investigation that limits them from going to bowl games or whatever it is. Right. Right. Once that's over, who knows what's going to happen on this level, but this is a very positive sign. 100%. And uh, one thing I wanted to clear up, it was officially Chris Cartman uh, who reported that he was at the hockey game. Just wanted to clear that up. But – um. The well, the other thing is not only there's the NCAA investigation. ASU went three and nine last year, and so yeah. <laughs> and they were bad. So that's another thing. Like if you're a recruit, you're like, yeah, sure, we have this new guy Dillingham, but ultimately I may still be on a bad team, and I can't blame them for thinking that. Like the last thing we saw was ASU go three and nine. Um, but imagine, like, let's just say it didn't stop Colorado. Yeah, but we don't. Dillingham is not as big of a name as Dion. Like that's just. I guess it, that's true. I um, guess that's true. Uh, but the other thing is, like, what if ASU goes seven and five next year, and the investigation we we, we at least have the finality of it a year from now. That could only help Dillingham's prowess, you know, in that sense, especially with offensive players. So. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at, um, on this episode. I'm sure by the time this comes out, Lucas will have committed elsewhere. Uh, I did want to talk about some other guys leaving. Um, so Connor Sowelli left, going to Oregon. Um, Joe Moore left to Washington, but apparently he's no longer coming there. So there's a chance he could come back, another defensive lineman. And then this was, uh, 
think this was yesterday. Um, Garen Stansberry, uh, another defensive lineman from ASU, has withdrawn his name from the transfer portal. So we've had a few defensive linemen test the waters of the portal and decide to come back. Um, who knows why? But it's good, just like I mentioned earlier, just to have linemen uh, coming back on the team, even if they're not, you know, game wreckers per se. Right you are, Mark. I can't disagree with that assessment. <laughs> All right. Well, Colton, you got anything else to add as we wrap up episode 25? Not really. You got any more gun-to-your-head scenarios for me? Uh, Okay, gun-to-your-head, you can pick ASU men's basketball to win a championship or ASU football? Hmm. I think the the road to winning a college basketball championship is one of the most exhilarating things. Going through that entire tournament and winning it yeah. would be unreal. Obviously, winning a football national championship would be incredible. That just seems like it seems much less so likely. unlikely yeah. though that it's not even something that I can even wrap my head around. Yeah. So I think I would go basketball. I think you still used this scenario wrong. I did, but, but that's okay. That's head, that's so. par for the course. No, that's all right. I I understood what you were saying. I think I'm going basketball just because watching that from start to finish would be just exhilarating. Yeah. 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 I think, well, that, and it's, it seems likely, like it's not likely, I, more likely I misspoke, I misspoke, yeah. it seems at the very least remotely plausible, yeah, so hopefully, yeah. hopefully that's, I put it a little better that second time. Yeah, no, I totally, I, I would pick football, but I, you're right about the fact that like, it just feels like that's, with all that it takes to win a football national championship, like. It, there's just so there's just more players and so therefore more weaknesses uh to you know improve on that other teams right. don't have and the thing with the the funniest thing with basketball is if ASU won a national championship and again this is complete fantasy land that we're talking about here so let's just acknowledge that but to have to have the exact same national championships in basketball as U of A when we're not a basketball school <laughs> would be pretty funny but and that would with, be wild. Yeah, and the thing with basketball is, like, Texas Tech made the championship game a few years ago, you know? Baylor won the championship game. Yeah. yeah. Don't hire <laughs> Chris Beard, Ace. Don't, don't go that route again. No, let's let's stay away from that. But uh, it, it's you see it all the time. Look at UCLA made a run to the Final Four when they were in the, the first four game. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? They were they were a miraculous Jalen Suggs shot away from the national championship. Yeah. Well, it's it, it it can it can happen in basketball. Right. In football, it's like y- your destiny is almost in the hands of others unless you win out. Well, <laughs> and also like it kind of does happen in football. It happened last night, and that's you know that's the result. Yeah, that's you know? what you have waiting for you. That's what you have yeah. waiting for you is an absolute juggernaut. SEC team that is going to beat you by 50 points. Yeah. Whereas in basketball, like you could just catch a team that has a bad shooting night or something, uh, foul trouble, whatever it may be. And yeah, so uh, I just hope this ASU team makes the tournament. I think they will. I hope, I hope they're good enough to get there at the very least. It looks like they're going to be 
I don't know what, like a top five or six seed in the Pac-12 tournament at the oh, very the least? I mean, they should, they better be a top four seed in the Pac-12 tournament. That's what I'm uh, thinking. They, I mean, their conference record, they have one loss in conference and that's U of A, right? Yeah. I don't think they've lost any other game. So. No, we're third in conference I'm hoping, behind UCLA and Utah because U of A has lost twice in conference already. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's perfect. So hopefully, hopefully this team makes the tournament and we can at the very least watch an ASU basketball tournament game again. It's been a long time. So that's, that's yeah. what I'm looking forward to. Hopefully it happens. Yeah, man. Uh, they, they're, they're a fun team and. Getting, they got a big sweep over the weekend. Um, going up to Oregon schools, I mean, I would hope for a sweep in those. I feel like it's going to be tough going on the road, but neither of those teams are, are good, so who knows. But Yeah, and you know what? Uh, to all of our listeners, we'll be out at the Cathedral of Mediocrity next Thursday for the UCLA game. So uh, be bring an umbrella because there are storms in the forecast. Hey, this year it's the cathedral cathedral of above average. How's that? Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll we'll rebrand. We can do For that. Twenty twenty. It's better. It's better than rebranding it to another bank. <laughs> how many How many banks can buy the the rights to this series? Oh man. Um, hey, maybe next time. Yeah, it'll be if you. Yeah, yeah. If you see us up in the upper decks where we like to toil away during ASU basketball games, and you see the the Corey Kispert headband. That's right. Uh, come up and say hello and tell us how much uh, you tolerate the show. Yeah, I look exactly like Corey Kisper in terms of height, general attractiveness, you know. Athletic prowess. Yeah, so completely similar right here. Well, uh, with that tangent, um going to close out this episode. Hey, that got us to an hour, Mark. You like that? Yeah, I know. I didn't even plan on that, but. We we're committed to giving you guys a professional show, so we won't. Uh, I told you, professional podcaster. We're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna sell you short. We definitely didn't have any audio issues at any point when we tried to record. So um, I landed on my feet, Mark. Don't call back yeah. to that. We can only call back to your gaps, not my audio gaps. Colton's, Colton's a cat. He, he always lands on his feet. So That's with right. that, um, episode twenty five, we're gonna wrap it up. Thanks for listening, and go Devils. <laughs>